One and all, what a pleasure it is to be back. Happy 2022. This is Nick's Nonfiction. Welcome to all the newcomers. I'm your host, comic, ex-radio host, memer, Nick Munez. Here we are, chilling another year with the Nickers. Welcome back. It's like season three or four. We're doing newer graphics, better gifs, and exceedingly dubious claims from your host. Starting the year on the right path with a roadmap to fix your life, Seneca's The Shortness of Life. Seneca's no snake oil salesman. He's not selling one simple trick to fix your life. Rome wasn't built in a day. Good luck fixing your life in one. De Vita Beata. That is the attainable path to happiness. We finished up last month sending up our prayers to heaven. Now it's time to exert your will. Stoicism. Stoichiometry today. If you're looking for more quotes and analysis, skip forward to the chapters. I put the timestamps below for a reason. Just know you're going to miss out on the overview, a summary, some fire memes, and context for the entire show. Same great format this year, the About the Author coming up. Let me drop some quotes on you. Seneca, he came up with all those ones that your peewee league coach was dropping on you. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Munez, Get your balls out of the water cooler. He came up with both of those. Luck schmuck. By the end of this episode, you'll be that much more in touch with your inner daemon, which is the fully actualized self. You're not going to need any luck. Hopefully you can avoid those inner demons and your inner Matt Damon. <laughs> Mission Control, what do you mean it's not my fault? I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. Remember that, what was it, Goodwill Hunting was stuck on Mars? It took preparation and luck to get off of Mars as well as out of Southie Boston. <laughs> Camus was our previous motivational episode. That was last June. He's versed in all the Roman Stoics, and Seneca might be the true father of absurdism. He self-identified as a classic Stoic, but his pursuit of humor displays an intimate knowledge of the absurd. Seneca says, it is more fitting for a man to laugh at life than to lament over it. You want to start the year off with Nietzsche and his belief in nothing? In order to be the ubermensch, you first must display your belief in nihel. Good luck climbing out of that abyss. We're starting off on the top of the mountain. Seneca said no man is laughable who can laugh at himself. Nietzsche took his facial hair game so seriously he became a recluse. He was scared anybody was going to make fun of his mustache. <laughs> Another quote here, Seneca said, I laugh at those who think they can damage me. They do not know who I am. They do not know what I think. They cannot even touch the things which are really mine and with which I live. Knees weak, arms heavy, vomit on his sweater. Sticks and stones may break Seneca's bones. Turds can never hurt him. That's a little jib at the internet commenters this year. We're tossing out bands like candy on Halloween. I mean, we're not putting up with any negativity here. Seneca uses the impending threat of nothingness, you nihilists, as a springboard for life. Memento mori. Remember death. This episode will start a year long of what they call a rot. This is character building. We've read some Stephen King. He says once you build the character, they write the story for themselves. So work on your morals. I'm trying to empower the people here. Seneca was the state philosopher, and he was supposed to rein in <laughs> the ideas of the Romans. 
We'll get into that in the show today. Heavy contrast between next week. Just as a teaser, you could skip to the end for a full preview. I'm taking Klaus Schwab and the elites, their transhumanist scum ideologies, into the steel cage. I want to fight every single one of these fucking Davos, Bilderberg, Think Group, asshats. This guy wants us to abandon independent thought. Seneca would like to have a word with you, Mr. Schwab. We need those lessons of yours, Seneca. You lived through a crumbling Roman Empire. <laughs> Let's see what we could extract from that and apply to our current situation today. We'll be right back after these messages. You're not going to want to be missing out on the Patreon page this year. Guaranteed book every single week. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do the Great Reset as a Patreon exclusive because I could get dinged for saying half the words in that. Also, check out those hikes. We got winter up in the tundra, 12,000 feet in the air. Unbelievable footage. Seneca lived 4 BC to 65 AD. Happened in time. He considers himself a statesman and a satirist. Comedy. How could you play both ends of the spectrum? He's got a jester himself. This is literally the height of Rome, the middle of the five good emperors. I'm pretty sure that ended with Maximilian, and the beginning of the bad emperors was Vaximilian. Anyone? Joe Biden is the Taliban's MVP. Seneca's well-trained in rhetoric. His modest proposals were a little bit too edgy on that Jonathan Swift satirist. If we got overpopulation and a baby abundance, maybe we could just eat some infants. He's doing this as the guy who's supposed to be preaching morals. In the time of Rome, religion is kind of out, and people were looking to the warriors, the gladiators, and these thinkers to give them their ideas. Nero was his ruler. He let him in the cabinet and influenced him heavily for the first five years of rulership. And then Nero was starting to get paranoid, and he kicked Seneca out to Corsica. He had to spend nine years there from like AD 40 to 50. And then Seneca came back, and his ideas were a little bit more reined in. They soft-banned him. As a dictator, Nero, he killed his potion expert, Locustus. He was, like, scared of getting poisoned by arsenic. This guy was so paranoid. I already said that. Arsenic? What could that be? Arse of Nick? I should put my ass as a picture of one of the chapters today. Or that could be a ironically edgy comedy album with a chemical symbol over my mouth. Arsenic. Live. <laughs> anyway... Seneca had a uh, comedy play of his own. It was called Medea. <laughs> I thought Tyler Perry was great in that. You know, I even watched the sequel. Medea goes to punch his pilot. What is this, Medea? We'll definitely get more Roman history in throughout the chapters. There's only five today. And let me get some philosophical background in for you. This seriously is like the source of every 1900s quack psychologist out there. Freud, Maslow, they catch a lot of heat around here on Nick's Nonfiction, and rightfully so. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that Maslow's hierarchy of needs directly plagiarizes Seneca's triangle of happiness. All this shit has been written before, even Medea goes to Hollywood. <laughs> you got to watch out for these friggin' psychologists. I think psychology is the the new branch that's ripping off philosophy and using it to medicate people with big pharma. 
the <laughs> like the executive branch's psychology, the DSM is the judicial branch, so you could slam the hammer on people and call them crazy. And then the third is the legislative branch. That's got to be like Dr. Fauci, the Lord and Savior or something. <laughs> Freud. These freaking 1900s guys like uh, Skinner and Pavlov and then Herman Mann was the American guy that went over to Prussia and stole their schooling system. They perverted the inverse of Seneca's work. It's like a divorce from the source material. Freud would say, you're not human if you're not married. <laughs> and then, so you know, he was a coke addict. Sartre opposed him saying, making choices makes you human. And Seneca's somewhere in the middle. He's like, if you're content in the way your ship is sailing, you could find your way back to port. A little Taoist. Good preface for you guys today. I think you've earned a second meme. And uh, how about a joke? What do you call extraterrestrials living in Rome? Italians. We've got a very serious sponsor here. So guys, give them your undivided attention. Seneca, The Shortness of Life, Chapter 1, The Shortness of Life. <laughs> Sorry. Most human beings complain about the meanness of nature because we are born for a brief span of life and because this spell of time that has been given to us rushes by so swiftly. Starting us off with some youth is wasted on the young. Nature is evil to have us wither away and die. Old Thomas Hobbes curmudgeon ass out here. Seneca says the same feeling lies behind complaints from the most distinguished men. Everyone is sad with how little time they have on earth. The shortness of life. Confucius says, before you start a complaining, check someone's wrists for threats. Better to have hole in your hand than hand in your hole. That second quote Seneca was saying, even the most distinguished men at the top of the hierarchies are just as friggin' sad at the end of the day. We inherently just look at successful people with a rose-colored lens. You have money, so you're happy. How come friggin' how come Anderson Cooper Vanderbilt's brother, the quadrillionaire, jumped off of his balcony? Money doesn't make everyone happy, and these high-ass CEOs are some of the most curmudgeon Thomas Hobbes you will ever meet. These people are battling the same exact human condition as you and I. He's referencing a point Aristotle made. Men with no destiny to fulfill seem to live forever. <laughs> you know the guy smoking Marlboros on the corner? He lives to be a thousand. And then the hypochondriac who's still social distancing. This person's going to get an autoimmune disease by the time they're 40. Seneca says, the man who's on a distinct mission, it's almost as if his spirit knows when he can depart. It's a weird quote. I just watched that movie, The Book of Eli. It's all these people in the middle of an apocalypse. They can't read anymore. They're a couple generations in. And Eli's got the last Bible on earth, the most powerful book. So all the rulers know that if they could get their hands on it, they can enslave the people with all the verses. Or they can print it in mass and put it in every hotel room in the country. Once he translates the book, Eli, this guy could die. Go watch that movie. It's really good. I want to spoil it for you. If you know anything about Eli in the Bible, that spoils the entire character anyway. This spiritual power to convince yourself you have a meaning, that is faith right there. And that exists outside of religion as well. It's just the easiest example. This entire concept is very aligned with his main assertion 
for the first chapter, basically the book, Seneca says here, It is not that we have a short time to live, but that we waste a lot of it. Life is long enough, and a sufficiently generous amount has been given to us for the highest achievements if it were all well invested. It's like you only have enough time to maximize your potential. We have given just enough for the highest achievements. You can't spend it smoking Marlboros on the corner, but apparently that gives you extra HP. Seneca spent time with dying people. That's how he has all this information. These people who spent their life in luxury and comfort, they reported, We are forced at last by death's final constraint to realize that it has passed us before we knew that it was passing. Unless you even like put one goal down on a piece of paper, it's all just passing by. The most common deathbed account you hear is, Life just flew by. I don't know what happened. <laughs> You have to be, like, overly paranoid, you'll see throughout the book today, of every second the clock is ticking. That's one second you could have been better. Every author in this ideology, this stoicism, says the secret to life is to die every day. And these old people are like, I didn't know it was passing. It's only right now at the end when I'm dying that I realize what's happened. You got to pay a school nurse to come to your house and then kill you, revive you with her defibrillator pads. I don't know, die every single day, memento mori. Remember, you're going to be a sad lump on your deathbed. You're going to wish you had some stories and you didn't spend the whole time watching the clock. Seneca says, some people make it work. Therefore, we are not given a short life, but we make it short. And we are not ill-supplied, but wasteful of time. If someone else made it work, why didn't you? <laughs> Every Stoic's dream superpower is the ability to freeze time. <laughs> you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. I mean, I would want to freeze time mostly so I could enjoy places without the burden of other people. We are not ill-supplied of time, but we are wasteful of it. <laughs> Every Stoic at work, they do time theft. Always punch out a little bit late. Maximizing the clock is the highest form of spirituality you can have. Wasted time makes my fucking skin crawl. Like, when I was a kid, I would have playdates, and if another kid was late, we'd each drove to the park or whatever. If he didn't show up, I would just leave. You know, I started going to movies by myself when I was 14. What are we wasting time here for? If you want to see the flick, go and waste your time in the movie theater. This is my opinion. Time is the most valuable commodity in the universe. It ain't gold, it ain't uranium, it ain't money, bitch. There's only so much time. <laughs> like, spend it wise. I don't know how to get this across to people, but Seneca's quotes are pretty fucking good there. Wasn't that a Justin Timberlake movie? He was like, had the clock above his head and you could rob time from other people, learn how to manage them to do your work, <laughs> outsource to India. I'm bringing Stoic back. Yup. What was Justin Timberlake a part of in sync? <laughs> Sick and tired of hearing all these people talk about what's the deal with Seneca and when's he gonna fade out? <laughs> Time is like a measurement of growth. Go watch that old movie. You can be this much better if you don't waste this much time. And I don't want to have to get all... Einstein relative theory on you but that's all that time is it's just a form of measurement <laughs> so if you're not even looking at the clock you're just decaying Seneca says as you get older your time management improves and it feels like you are earning back time like once you 
learn how to identify that 10% of the day you actually have to yourself and then you can start using it for the things that you want to. I don't know, compared to most people who are just claustrophobic of time as they get older, some people learn to manage it better. No joke to end that one on. Let's go to chapter two, nature. Every philosopher has got to have their say about the woods. He starts with the question, as for nature, why do we complain about nature? His quote, one man is gripped by insatiable greed, another by a dedication to useless tasks. It sounds more like civilization to me. Like, not everybody's equal, so some people are going to die in nature. Isn't that the whole thing that Charles Darwin proved? (laughs) Survival of the fittest. That's how it works in society anyway as well. His big assertion here was that nature is our animal side. So when you go out of civilization, you just turn feral. And a lot of these old philosophers have this point of view. Maybe it was just keep the Romans from defecting and going to live with the Germanic hill people. Let me just spell this out for you on the animal side. Do you know what an animal does when it's full? It stops eating. Humans are the one animal that has the ability to eat to excess. And I mean obesity excess where you can eat yourself to death. Not even an elephant seal can do that. We are capable of greed. That's facilitated by systems which are not in nature. Like if animals had a human side, you would see wolves getting greedy and try to steal back cities. See what I'm saying? The human side of animals or the animal, we're all animals. Seneca says, we demonize nature because we think it brings out our worst when we are blind to the fact that we are already behaving like animals. That's a great little redemption quote there. He says, even in society, we're acting like animals. This guy lived through the Colosseums. There were freaking men fighting tigers. (laughs) This was a totally off few pages he had. He thinks people in nature are unaware of death, so they can't maximize their time. You're telling me the ranchers who kill their food every single day are unaware of death? Seneca spent a little too much time in Rome. He needs to go to, like, Tuscany big city academic boy here in a biblical sense he's right like you got to get people out of the garden of eden and there's a lot of whatever simple people in the country people in the country don't understand the city systems so we call them simpletons like it's there's a difference between smarts and intelligence one is understanding systems and seneca's just saying um you have to have an awareness of the whole to have the mark of a full mind and that's another one of the aristotle's ideas like in order to be the truly highest mind you have to be a know-it-all you have to know geometry and physics and this shit so everybody out in the country is stupid according to him he does admit here that society has its dulling effect with a quote how many burst a blood vessel by their eloquence and their daily striving to show off their talents how many are pale from constant pleasures Like, not in the outskirts do you see people (laughs) falling to greed that much. I don't think that's true anymore. Some of the biggest sloths are out there living in Oklahoma trailers. You know, Mississippi has the highest obesity rate. You actually had to farm. There wasn't John Deere back in the day. The former part of that quote was better. How many uh, burst a blood vessel by their eloquence and their daily striving to show off their talents. Everybody's just busy in the city trying to keep up with the joneses and show off to other people pretty decent quote here people are frugal in guarding their personal property 
but as soon as it comes to squandering time, they are most wasteful of the one thing in which it is right to be stingy. People are always willing to help a buddy move. <laughs> I think Seneca is justifying me leaving my friend who was late to the playground earlier. I have a right to leave if I gave you that much of a grace period. I'm so happy I was not alive before cell phones. That must have happened every single day. Yo, but you could have ghosted girls a whole lot easier. You know your friend would always show up later, like, with some potato chips. And he's like, yeah, I know I'm late. I stopped at 7-Eleven. You want some potato chips? Bitch, I don't want your fucking starch. You wasted 30 minutes of my life. You cannot repay me in food and crisps. Do they sell salt and vinegar life redemption at 7-Eleven? I don't think so. Some bullshit wasting time. You can never pay someone back. Seneca got that quote how people are most stingy about the dumbest things while talking to a hundred-year-old man. Medical science, so advanced today that nobody knows anybody over a hundred. Food additives. Nutritionists hate this man. I'm trying to find this quote. The hundred-year-old said, I regret all the time I spent reviewing moneylenders, time spent with my mistress and clients, lame, time spent quarreling with my wife, lame, punishing my slaves, awesome, and dashing about the city on social obligations. I regret time dealing with cash, fucking my hoe, dealing with client. He wishes he spent time on personal growth and interpersonal relationships. Seneca said, call to mind whenever you had a fixed purpose and everything else shrunk around you. So if you can make your entire life the fixed purpose without all these side quests, that makes your clock expand. Like, remember when you had a school project, you had a fixed purpose? You became hyper aware of every moment that you weren't doing the project. Maybe that's just like anxious people. But you got to feel that for life. <laughs> I'm saying leave your friends at the movie theater. If they're late enough, you could catch a double feature with them. You could teach a feeling of rearranging someone's ambition. But you can only teach urgency by setting goals. This is one of these things that it's like personality based. It's either in you or it's not. And this has nothing to do with procrastinators who are some of the most successful people it's like um a better way to slice out your time you are calculating the minimal effort necessary to get something finished and that's the state of nature baby the shortest path from a to b like stoicism is bottom line did you get the job done so perfectionists who are they get it done on day one but then they keep tinkering with the project and keep doing it it's uh, It might be using up more brain space. And not everybody's a procrastinator. Like It's usually just good to get things done with first because your subconscious mind, most people's can't actually relax. Remember you presented first, you hit the back of the classroom, crack open a Kool-Aid twist off. It was a good day there. Or if you're the last person to present, you're going to get some people heckling. Seneca has a much harder point of view on this. He says, putting things off is the biggest waste of life. It snatches away each day as it comes and denies us of the present by promising the future. I'm going to do that work later. Just do it now, bitch. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just get the job done. But you can relax then. Some people really do need to have things shouted into their skull. Let me try to give him the peewee coach with this next quote. 
You are living as if designed to live forever. Your own frailty never occurs to you. You don't notice how much time has already passed, but squander it as though you have a full and overflowing supply. Get your balls out of the water cooler. Though all the while, that very day which you're devoting to somebody or something may be your last. Take a fucking lap. If you're always thinking of which day you're going to wear your special new shirt, this might be your last day. That moment might never arise. you got to arrange the party so you could wear the perfect shirt, and someone's probably going to spill a beer on you anyway. <laughs> he ends this chapter like one of the most unnatural processes of humanity. Let me preface it. Citizen, spend your viable years contributing 30% of your labor to the state, so when you're 65, you can live in a senior citizen warehouse. Seneca said, the emperor has promised me an apprentice at 70. What guarantee do I have that my life is that long? He saw his time as more precious than the devaluing Roman currency. He goes, aren't you ashamed to keep for yourself just the remnants of your life? There's a really big anti-work movement, which isn't good because work builds character. And, you know, I'm somewhere in the middle on all this bullshit. We'll get nihilistic in a couple chapters <laughs> from here. Jesus, man, we're taking home shreds of our fucking life with Henry Ford's 40-hour work week. Some of the biggest bullshit period of history. Hunter and gatherers walked around for four hours a day in Europe. People are less prone to take pride in the amount of time that they sacrifice for their wealth. This is a very American thing. Like, how much time do you spend picking your nose at your 50-hour job? Time in is seen as an accomplishment. Was that time actually productive? <laughs> you know. Seneca said, nobody calculates the value of their minutes when taking a job. The clarity only sets in when confronted by death. All right, picture this. you got to try to put you in the headspace. You're sitting down with a doctor. You just had an oncology scan. He's going, I'm sorry, sir. You might want to call up your wife. You only have two weeks to live. You have a lot of treatments. Now your ears are ringing. The doctor's voice goes, peanuts. Two weeks to live. Your vision is friggin' blurry. Maybe you run out of the office. Maybe you run straight to your office and take a dump on your boss's desk. You now only have two weeks to live, and you have an adrenaline fucking rush for life. The only thing that changed here is your perspective. It's the same exact two weeks. Nothing, you could have not known that you were going to die. You're lucky that this doctor sat your ass down and screamed it into your head. You really think you're going to go back to your job for those last two weeks? Like, working in itself is not a magnanimous act. Look, oh, that guy is so brave. With his last two weeks to live, he didn't spend it with his family. He worked. I know the IRS has convinced us that we're contributing to the greater good or whatever. Contributing bombs to the greater good of Syrian Hellfire missiles. I don't know, man. Those freaking Syrians are more stoic than us. If you're in a state of warfare, much like a state of actual nature, you are perpetually aware of your impending death. Like, it's hard to take a moment for granted when you're actually aware that you are going to die. <laughs> We're so much in our little comas in this society and never, you could go decades without even realizing you really are going to fucking be out of here. Seneca put a lot of this powerful shit out there. He 
saw the expansive acts of the Roman Empire and was encouraging people to explore inwards. There's no wonder this guy got fucking exiled. Let's go to chapter 3, The Bounty of Youth. Concocting a weird mix of anti-enlightenment labor definitions up here. Secondhand stoicism even from the Greeks. I said we were going source this year. Augustus, for some context, was the previous ruler. This guy was into luxury and reputation. He expanded the Roman Empire all the way through Macedonia, Sicily, Egypt, Syria, and Asia. Asia? Oh, Roman Empire eat ramen noodle. <laughs> they expanded beyond the Rhine. So, uh, you know, the Romans and the Germans started this traveling improv tour in amphitheaters. It was called, Whose Rhine Is It Anyway? Is that anything, Mr. Carey? Augustus was so stagnant commanding his armies from his bed that his servants had to remove ulcers from his back every single week. Augustus, like, armchair quarterbacked his way into world domination. Is he lazy or is he a hard worker? Because he's a sloth. However, he got the job done. So that's what side Seneca's on. And so Cicero was to Augustus as uh, Seneca was to Nero. Remember we started Nero was the ruler over Seneca. Augustus, fat boy, was the ruler over Cicero. He was their thinker. Cicero was beheaded for questioning the fatty. Seneca commented on him saying, These men only have as much control over our writings as we let them influence our thoughts. And this is later in uh, Seneca's life that he wrote The Shortness of Life. So he's not scared of Nero anymore. He's saying, in the thick of it, I decided to censor myself when they like, uh, put me back on the island of whatever the heck it was, exiled. And that got to him. That soft ban actually worked. The mods, they got to him. He came back fucking swinging and was forcibly killed. <laughs> he told people authority is an illusion at the height of the Roman Empire. It was like a Kanye of his time. I said, uh, slavery's a choice. They said, how, yay? We're closer to slaves than we are to free men, people. Slavery begins in the mind. That's what Kanye West was trying to say. Slavery's a choice. They said, how, yay? This is Seneca's entire fucking thesis here. You really want to spend your short life convincing yourself you're oppressed? <laughs> like, as Seneca said, these men only have as much influence over our thoughts as we let them have. Every time you turn on CNN, you're being told that there's someone who you're rightful to be hateful at. Virtue. And you're seeing modern-day virtue has taken place over religion. It doesn't really exist anymore. God is dead. Religion for the Romans was just something to do on Sunday. I'm saying these people listened a lot more to the state philosopher as their leader. They were trying to craft Seneca's message for him, the state. And Seneca, who actually had this eventful thinking, whatever, philosopher king life, isn't actually to put any of his Kanye lyrics into prose and think about it he was the mouthpiece for his time uh here's a quote very similar to scoop de poop assuredly your lives even if they last more than a thousand years will shrink into the tiniest span those vices will swallow up any space of time the actual time you have which reason can prolong though it naturally passes quickly inevitably escapes you rapidly
tick-tock, tick-tock. I was always fucking scared of the crocodile and Captain Hook, Pirate Hook. <laughs> it's because I'm scared of the clock. This guy's like, um, don't let the state define your mission. It's going to make you sad. It's literally the biggest head game in history that's been being played. He says here, learning how to live takes a whole life. And which may surprise you more, it takes a whole life to learn how to die. Damn. You spend your whole life defining your mission and questioning whether you've accomplished it. <laughs> Did you live? He's admitting many of the finest men have put aside all their riches, businesses, their pleasures, and they still didn't understand their mission in the end. He's going like, people who spread positivity rather than encouraged drinking, gambling, and prostitution, those people are more happy. So even though you were a successful industrialist, you are guilty because you bought hookers. Damn, you really? That shit does stay with you until the end. I gotta stop going on eros.com. <laughs> I don't know. You want your positive karma to be bigger than your left? I'm telling you, this guy's more of a Taoist. Augustus was super successful, but in the end, his like coping mechanisms led to immense pain, those ulcers. So these big old, uh, really corporate fat cat CEOs, the ones that look like the political cartoon pigs, they're going to pay for it in the end. It's going to hurt to die. Like he said, it takes a whole life to learn how to die. Like, he started the first chapter. Not even the people at the top have know how to live right. These are just stories of how successful people get along. Cool chapter there. The Bounty of Youth. We got two more. This one is called Why. As all uh, <laughs> old philosopher Griffin, would you please get a job, Peter? Why? Why is it so hard to activate yourself after you have information now that you know that you could die of a brain hemorrhage tonight or you could spontaneously combust <laughs> like why do so many of us remain inert the nihilist response is i'm gonna die anyway so why should i try and that's not an argument it's a valid counterpoint seneca's actually fucking prosing a poignant argument here if you know it's ending why aren't you reacting He's saying the preoccupied become aware of it only when it's over. For most people, it's a lack of awareness. We kind of went over that before. Like, yeah, how do you wake up the masses? You can't just hold their eyeballs open and make them stare at a clock. Like, for me, what made it stick, it wasn't Jesse Ventura's American Conspiracies book. It wasn't any of these big awakenings. It's having an actual near-death experience, and I unfortunately have a few... I fucking have told you about my bike crash. I woke up in a hospital in college with a .33 BAC. You die at .4. I'm retarded. <laughs> I made some uh, changes, you know, after things like that happen. I'm not suggesting you enter the X Games here or put yourself at risk. I mean, if you're listening to the show, I assumed you have a mind that could comprehend these ideas. So do not put your friend on a motorbike. <laughs> but... You can have an ego death. Yo, just go take mushrooms. Nihilism has half of this equation right. To get back on track here. You have to have lived to have truly died. That's a big part of the equation for those people who don't know how to think. He's going regarding nihilism. Yeah, you're going to die and maybe for nothing in the end. Half the equation is still blank. How are you going to celebrate life while you're here? 
And again, this emo nihilist kid you're picturing. Well, why do we have to celebrate? Celebration and, like I said, faith is a part of the uh, human software. It's a inherent brain function. If you're not praising God, you're going to praise the land like a pagan, or you're going to praise yourself. And you could do it in a positive way through the Stoicism, or you could just praise yourself as a know-it-all nihilist, which is kind of the trap you see a lot of people fall into. If you deny the world has celebration, just go to your fucking logical conclusion sooner than later, sir. You know what I'm saying here? <laughs> These people that are just trying to be sad... I'll provide the gun for you. What? Are you just... Is that your excuse? You don't have a building tall enough near you? You could say these things to nihilists. They don't realize what they're arguing for is their premature death. And if that is what they're arguing for, then you're just a coward. What? You're not actually standing true to your ideology? <laughs> I, I know we have a cynical tone on the show here. But I am very anti-pessimistic. Like these strains of Nietzsche nihilism, pessimism, they do not acknowledge faith or celebrate. It's a massive ideological flaw. That's like if your ideology said people don't need to have chocolate rations or ever be happy. There will never be a riot. That's like how these lackluster communists just let every single idea go over their head and don't think about things. It's the same as nihilism. You can fucking be happy, dude. And if you need to take Molly for that to happen, it's not a sin, okay? There's celebration here on Earth, and have a little bit of faith. Let me fucking counterpoint this. Optimists are just as annoying. <laughs> like, these people, their ultimate faith is placed in God, usually, or you see more now in the state. And they're optimistic. You know, utopia's around the corner. Or, yeah, God's going to take care of me after this, so I don't have to be responsible for anything here you could just say i'm sorry at the end it's fucking annoying these people are both adhering to cult-like ideologies like stoicism is a strain of realism it's an aspect of faith placed in the self and again you're not becoming some megalomaniac <laughs> you could do these things without making the sermons the listen to some michael jackson bro if you want to fix the world, you got to start with the man in the mirror. <laughs> People figured this out a long-ass time ago. Uh, Seneca says here, awareness is mandatory to maximize your potential. I don't know. More of this fucking let's wake up the masses. <laughs> For real, if everybody took that ego death mushroom experience from before, we could fix the world in one day. Maximus was a fictional follower of Marcus Aurelius, and this is like the philosopher that everybody knows. He comes a hundred or so years after Seneca, rips off most of his stuff, but we will have the meditations on here eventually. Maximus, what was that movie? I don't know, but it's an actual lower tale from Rome. This guy was the best gladiator ever. He was able to win the crowd over the Caesar. Wrote a lot about the gladiatorial pursuit in this chapter here. He was saying, you can raise awareness in mass with one colosseum, colossal pursuit. Like when someone breaks a world record, it sends a jolt through society. Like what else can be broken? What else have we not been pushing to the limits? He says the reason people choose to be unaware is to avoid confrontation with the past self. That's big facts. I mean, 
a lot of people ignore the or better example the olympics is like turning woke it's not about michael phelps who spent fucking 40 hours a day not possible in the pool and now it's just stories of trans people who were beaten as a kid and it's like to make you feel that earlier point the the bible being used against you the gladiatorial coliseum is a double-edged sword when maximilian was defeated the uh like vibe of rome dropped and the caesar was able to implement a whole new litany of shit you could use these things against or for the people if they take it back really cool chapter here we kind of glazed over that quote reasons people choose to be unawares to avoid confrontation with the past self it's just like the point of cognitive dissonance you put on your news channel cnn or fox so that you could feel good about your side at the end of the day it's all just reactionary thinking i've been listening to some of my old mass communication lectures like the news manufactures the dissenter opinion just as much as the conformist opinion when the news says <laughs> the jab is good for you, immediately some people are going to start injecting stuff between their eyeballs. And immediately it gets people to say, no, every single piece of medicine technology is bad. The news is so good at polarization. That's almost what it's built for. I'm using this point to preface what we're talking about this in this chapter, how stoicism beats nihilism. I really think nihilism might have just been a reactionary ideology. And we'll never know because it's from 1800 and all we have is combed over history to learn about it. Nietzsche's just an edgelord. How do you think he gained so much traction? Oh, nobody's going to church anymore? Let me do you one better. I'm a satirist. God is dead. Nietzsche's just trying to fucking make some waves himself. That is the reaction to the... Uh, Victorianism of the time <laughs> like he's just a fucking uh, contrarian he's an outsider he's not actually trying to empower people I know I blow this guy a lot on the show it's just because he's a funny character he's got a 600 IQ he's a virgin and he's a giant mustache we're having more Nietzsche books on this show for sure this stoicism shit is powerful man it existed uh, independent from these systems for millennia. It was passed down verbally for thousands of years. Like all of this optimism, pessimism, it takes place on the authoritarian spectrum. And once you get off of that bullshit, you reclaim the agency of will, which Nietzsche kind of had right. <laughs> Trying to get that to you today. Don't give your agency away. More simply put, um, if you're a Christian, you are on earth to serve God's will. If you're a nihilist, there is no will. This bullshit going back and forth. Stoicism. Hey guys, listen, you can grow your own will. All the fucking mass media, bread and circuses, the Colosseum, it's to divide your will. <laughs> Dude, you can't, it's biblical, this shit has been written about for thousands of years. Turn your fucking TV off. You become conscious by honing your skills. There's only four stages of life, birth, growth, decay, and death. If you become aware, you can extend the period of growth. It's sad when you see like a fucking 
they're just an alcoholic type of thing. It's funny. You got to give it that. But there's funny on all parts of the spectrum, especially Nietzsche on the saddest side. <laughs> More of this why chapter we got here. It's juicy, man. You got to kind of fet these things out from time to time. It's not a word. cheese. He calls the people neglecting awareness the preoccupied saying those who are driven from the law court only by the arrival of the watchdogs or those whom you see crushed either honorably in their own crowd of supporters just trying to make this friggin point like don't get distracted by other people's crowds we heard before and that's what people in cities do and then he goes the preoccupied are those who'd rather have their country ruffled than their hair that's quite comedic this kind of sounds like augustus this guy was Lazy didn't want his hair ruffled. <laughs> he gave d uh, another example here of an emperor that would lay down for so long that he didn't know whether he was sitting down or standing up. That's fucking wild, man. How do you... <laughs> He's a blob. I'm thinking of Chris Christie now. He was New Jersey's emperor, my home state. This man had three tummy tucks and a thyroid bypass. Like, in order to win the crowd of Rome, you had to exhume greatness that's why some of the gladiators, gladiators were able to win the will of the people back over the emperors. Because they were both in the arena together. That was a sick time, bro. I'm selling tickets to the Coliseum. Fucking gay-ass Coliseum of YouTube. Draw a comparison out. We got <laughs> our people really exhuming greatness on that platform anymore. I'm thinking of this one YouTuber now. Nick Okado. There's like memes made around this guy. People in New Jersey exhumed Lardo Chris Christie. People on YouTube would rather tune into a man eating himself to death, giving him type 4 diabetes. <laughs> He's experimenting with the human body rather than like turn into this show where we're trying to raise our consciousness bit by bit. Why aren't we aware enough to take action, Seneca? We don't want to. Like, of course, some people can't think about actually bettering themselves why don't most people take action because it's easier to watch someone get diabetes than have to buy all that food for yourself seneca soon we're gonna be too lazy to get obese we're gonna fucking wither away and die while netflix asks us if we want to continue on to the next episode why because it's easy seneca we'll end it on a cool fucking Pompeii fact here they would have uh, coliseum fights of their own and they were the first to instrument elephants <laughs> and they would get uh, like just slaves early on and kill them before the gladiators come out and they would have the elevators stomp them to death and this was just supposed to be a symbol to the people hey look at this a man getting crushed by the might of the emperor you know you're just using the mass mouthpiece to get people to uh, fall in line there was no democrats or fucking republicans back then it was stoic or cynic bitch power to the players game stonk let's go to chapter 5 our final one memory hole Seneca says awareness comes from the ability to recall the past you guys remember uh, two weeks to flatten the curve what we learned today is the masses do not have the power of recollection. That's why the name of the chapter is Memory Hole. Seneca says here, 
Life is very short and anxious for those who forget the past. They neglect the present and the near future. I don't want to say something mean here, but <laughs> some really high philosophical minds. Like some people, if there is no mind in the past, they're neglecting the present and the future. Where is this person's consciousness? Is there even a mind here? And me saying that makes me, according to the judicial DSM, I am disassociating now because I'm questioning how intelligent other people are. We're all equal. The day often seems long, says Seneca, to these people. They complain that the hours pass slowly until the time fixed for dinner arrives. <laughs> I started talking about Pavlov. These people are like the dog waiting for the bell to ring, just salivating all day. These people think the hours pass slowly. <sighs> they got the superpower, dog. <laughs> Every time I look at the clock, it's like speeding around. <laughs> That's... <laughs> It's a good uh, scene in a cartoon. <laughs> Seneca says the deferment of the long term eventually results in wishing for skipped days. That's bad. You see that one person in your office who's always counting down days on their calendar? They're like wishing their life would skip them by quicker. Oh, you're going to fucking milk this bitch dry. Let's go back to that school project, your subconscious brain. If you're counting out days, you are making this complex in your mind where you just want the entire ordeal to pass. Seneca said they lose the day in waiting for the night and the night in fearing the dawn. Damn, son, this guy's poetic. <laughs> the previous king of Persia was a super procrastinator. He never measured how many troops he had in his army. This is why they think Augustus was able to steamroll this Persian emperor so easily. So this guy wasn't so great in his bed <laughs> commanding armies. Get on the field like Marcus Aurelius. He just had an easy Persian emperor who was also too lazy to count how many troops he had. <laughs> it's like day one of boot camp. He deferred counting his time and he wound up losing his men as well. It's like a cosmic irony right there Seneca says it is inevitable that life will be not just very short but very miserable for those who acquire by great toil what they must keep by greater toil what did uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson say a man who buys more things than he can afford eventually becomes a slave to his things the bigger point that you could make there is rather than being a little on the edge Nile side is uh like these guys emperors dads would go out in the field and conquer and bring back nations for their kid to rule the empire it takes just as much work as much toil to keep the fucking empire great this is like in line with a plato idea he's saying about just having to maintain the old we did philosopher king in uh plato's republic so go back to the patreon and get that base of knowledge first if you raise the kids inside the senatorial system <laughs> bro you're just gonna wind up with a fucking hunter biden this guy can't even launder money without getting caught that's got to be some sort of entry exam for being a politician remember he got caught with burma and his dad was doing the same thing in the ukraine 
I don't need to go so far for this points. This guy is on camera doing crack, and he slept with his own nephew. These people are chasing clout. They're not trying to hold the country together. You got fucking Jacob Rothschild on Twitter trying to act like a philanthropist. <laughs> You're getting likes on Insta. Bro, lurk in the shadows like a good Rothschild. What the fuck? You have intergenerational wealth and you're trying to go on Instagram? What are you doing? These fucking idiot new rulers have us in Operation Warp Drive to, like, reach their ancestral goal of total enslavement. They're blowing their ancestors' cover. I looked this up recently. <laughs> I have a weird-ass birthday. It's in the middle of May. And the only notable person that I share it with is Cornelius Rothschild. It's my birthday buddy. He better slide me a cool million this year. What was I talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, the rulers of today are not the same, not even Cornelius. Great point by Seneca. It takes as much work to maintain the old order as it did to build it. And we're not exempt. I got to caveat that as well. Our forefathers revolted over a 2% sales tax. We're lacking pretty hard, okay? Seneca said the judges didn't understand argumentation as well as their Roman fathers did. Even our fucking Ruth Bader Ginsburg, this bitch was a clout goddess. She wasn't studying old court cases. <sighs> I've been doing more research than a Supreme Court justice. Ladies and gentlemen, go back and look up Jacobson versus Massachusetts. We have already had this mandate discussion on a national level before. <laughs> I mean, we are just doing executive orders now like a fucking Caesar. We are definitely, as an empire, in the state of decay. Like I said before, growth, birth, growth, collapse, decay. In the life of an empire, it goes revolution, growth, decay, collapse. I would say we are shifting from hyper-decay into early collapse <laughs> we got a fucking quote here this one's a good one i think henry ford banned this one in america seneca says the greater part of your life certainly the better part has been devoted to the state take some of your own time for yourself too what was his thing before have you no shame for keeping the slivers to yourself <laughs> More helpful point before, he said to like maximize your schedule, learn how to manage your time the older you get. Another quote, you are winning affection in a job in which it is hard to avoid ill will. Believe me, it is better to understand the balance sheet of one's own life than of the corn trade. <laughs> Dissing the starches as well. He needed more potato chip jokes. I mean, he's kind of trashing the working man here. Not everybody could be a goddamn prince, Seneca. He's undeniably right. What do you want to fill your brain with? Fucking the knowledge of the corn trade? Do you actually feel happy when you boast your knowledge at the water cooler? Or when you take a half day and go and see your kid's soccer game? What do you actually remember? Dropping big dick quotes here at the end. Seneca says, You had promised higher and greater things of yourself. In reference to the version of yourself as a kid. And I bet that son of a bitch is waiting to confront you once you get up into heaven or something. What the hell happened, buddy? I thought we were going to do big stuff. I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> I'm waiting to fucking confront God when I get... What's with the suffering, dude? Come on. When you deny what's inside, he's going you akin yourself to a greater suffering. 
It's like you're going to memory hole your own hopes and dreams. You wanted to do things with your time and life as a child. Did you just forget about it? And we wonder why suicide rate is high. The world is just full of miserable, soul-crushing adults. You forgot not what you came here to do, but your grand delusion of childhood, your only divine spark of happiness you had, it's gone. <laughs> Boasting your knowledge of the corn trade is not the ultimate form of happiness. Relevant quote in terms of social media here as we get to the end. So when you see a man repeatedly wearing the robe of office, or one whose name is often spoken in the forum, do not envy him. These things are won at the cost of life. Do you really want to be the rock? <laughs> like, every time that man takes a shit, he has to upload it onto Facebook Live. Everything has its cost in life. The cost of fame is privacy and actually being in touch. And every second of your life is a trade-off. Are you trading it for wealth, a devaluing currency, or are you bettering those around you? A lot of people work hard and never become big and famous, and that should make you a little... <laughs> I bet, like, the hardest working people we will never know the names of type of thing. Like, a lot of people do put the honest days work in and get screwed over at the end of the day. That's realism. That's not nihilism for you. Nihilism would say, yeah, so nobody should ever try again. Because some people get lucky. Like he said, if some people max the clock out, so can you. You can't just deny that <laughs> people get screwed over. That does not justify you giving up. Seneca says here, It is disgraceful to see a man collapsing in the middle of his duties, worn out more by labor than by his lifestyle. You go to Japan, and men are dying at their desks from exhaustion. <laughs> they died of labor rather than lifestyle. We just learned about the Kone Buddhist Japanese culture. It's to convince you that time in is honorable. I would not, <laughs> if they're doing all this seppuku shit in Japan, how do you think the truck drivers fall asleep? It's the number one cause of road crashes in America. How do you think the pilots over in Japan are doing? They're having a big old walkout. Don't fly air Japan. A lot of these cultures have a monetarily influenced culture of uh, sacrifice for honor. You know, your health is my grandma. It's a uh, Hitler's campaign slogan. I don't know how many people know this. It's a real thing. Community over the individual. And I'm not saying... <laughs> Actually, yes, I am saying everything Hitler said you should probably take a second look at. So what this guy was trying to propagandize everyone with, just remember that when the news is telling you the same thing every day. It's Control 101. Never let people wake up to the amount they can contribute if they were to have first maximized themselves. I think you guys get the message of an hour of stoicism today. I got one more quote for us to head out. As men rob and are robbed as they disturb each other's peace, as they make each other miserable, their lives pass without satisfaction, without pleasure, without mental improvement. Civilizations older than the Roman Empire have been kneecapping individuals. People have hated their boss, and bosses have not been making themselves happier, nor their slaves, since the beginning of civilization. Either wake up or don't. <laughs> Do not give your will and agency outwards. This is a year 
of Taking It Back, Knickers. Power to the people. Next week, we are going to fight the power. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Seneca's The Shortness of Life. Truly an epic edition and a great one to kick off 2022 with. Follow through on those uh, New Year's resolutions. Comment them on the video and then comment it next week if you're still holding strong. Definitely get on that Patreon one more time because you might miss next week's edition. Klaus Schwab's The Great Reset. (laughs) This is going to be our first investigative read of the year, similar to how we read Smart Cities the beginning of last January. I can guarantee you it's going to get angry. I mean, I'm trying to find humor in our impending enslavement. (laughs) There are some funny scenarios coming up in this book for sure. But Klaus Schwab will be exposed for his anti-human, pro-AI ideology. You're not going to believe. Like, this is Bill Gates' biggest think tank his contributions go to. And what they want to see the world look like by 2030, you're going to own nothing and you're going to love it. For now, ladies and gentlemen... Start implementing those teachings of Seneca. You know, remember the clock is ticking, and I'm going to see you in seven short days. My name is Nick Munez. See you all then. Later.